0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to The Commons. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, here for some more conversations about school life and leadership on this brief reflection, I want to talk to you about an experience that I had uh, probably a little over a year ago. A friend of mine shared a picture of a group of students. This was on social media. And uh, these students were all huddled over their smartphones at the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. Now, behind them stood the magnificent masterpiece, The Night Watch by Rembrandt. And not a single student in that group, uh, maybe 15, 20 students, not a single student was looking at the actual painting. All of them, rather, were staring intently at their phones. Now, if that's ringing a bell, I believe that photo went viral, as such photos do on social media, circled the globe, sparking outrage among the masses, most of whom stared at it on their smartphones like I did. Uh, You know, kids these days was the typical response, everyone fussed about the influence of technology and how it's taking over our lives and it's uh, ruining our imaginations and so on. And um, I don't mean to actually dispute those claims, but there was a catch to this particular story. The photo was taken only after the kids had spent many, many minutes observing the painting itself. It was after they took time to observe the painting that they consulted the museum's smartphone app, which if you go to the museum's website, you can see it uh, prominently advertised. And that app is designed to give more background about both the artist and the particular work. Now, granted, that could lead into... An interesting conversation about the role of technology in education and whether such an app is actually helpful or distracting or whatever. But the students were told by their teacher and by their tour guide to consult this app, and so they obeyed. But the bigger point that I want to draw from this that I think is valuable for all of us, whether you are a headmaster, a teacher, homeschooling parent, whatever your context Uh, Or even if you're not in any of those particular contexts, still some applicable lessons here. We live in an age of outrage, a lot of anger. The things that go viral are not usually the good news, are they? And yet we know so little, we know so little about people's actions, about the context of it, about why they do things, their, their motives, that is. We know so little, but we conclude so much about other people, their problems, their habits, their circumstances, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. And this is interesting because we also live in a day that cries, don't judge at every corner. All the while, we are a culture that judges so quickly and so unfairly. We demand the benefit of the doubt for ourselves while failing to grant it to others even though scripture requires us to do just the opposite. In Proverbs 15, verse 28, Solomon writes, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Notice that contrast there of not just what the righteous says or what the wicked says, but how they say it. The heart of the righteous ponders gives thought, contemplation. They're slow before they answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out, gushes out evil things. They're quick to utter evil things. In Proverbs 17, verse 27, Solomon says there, "'Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, "'and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. "'Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise.'" When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Restrain your words, Solomon says. Be a man of understanding. That means having a cool spirit. Um, this, The last part of this verse is often quoted a little differently. The old adage, it's better to be silent and have people think you a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? We've all been there. Again, Solomon, in the next chapter, Proverbs 18 verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Once I heard the whole story of that picture of the students huddled over their smartphones, I had to ask myself some difficult questions. Why didn't I assume they had a good reason for looking at their phones? Why was I so quick to jump on the outrage bandwagon Why wasn't it my default, if you will, to assume the best of them? At the very least, why did I assume the situation required my conclusion or opinion or comment at all? To add Marcus Aurelius' words, as I often like to do, he wrote in his meditations, you always own the option of having no opinion. There is never any need to get worked up or to trouble your soul about things you can't control. These things are not asking to be judged by you. Leave them alone. And so if anything, that photo and my reaction to it and and the broader reaction to it revealed more about me than it did about those students. Sure, this could all be very helpful advice from Solomon and Marcus Aurelius, particularly when we apply it to social media, to our 24-hour news cycle, to our outrage culture, um, the things perhaps Solomon and Marcus Aurelius didn't share with us. But what about our behavior, our decisions, our words, our assumptions about our students? In other words, how does all of this relate back particularly to the classical educator, whatever your context might be? Let me draw some things that at least I've given some thought to, and I've, I've found it to be kind of helpful. I hope it is to you too. Um, first of all, not every student is trying to pull one over on you. They're not all trying to get away with something. So don't assume the worst. I grant that we have to have guidelines. We have to have rules. We have to have ways of doing things and, and policies and procedures and all of that. But don't assume the worst of your student's of other teachers, of your parents, of those in your school community, grant the benefit of the doubt. That's number two, grant the benefit of the doubt. And if you must err at all, err on the side of mercy. One of my favorite quotes is misattributed to Philo of Alexandria, um, and was likely first uttered by a Scottish pastor named John Watson, um, not the John Watson of sherlock holmes fame but a different one he said be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle so in our school communities in our relationships whether our school community is our family or whether it's a much larger community in an, in a brick and mortar school give the benefit of the doubt when you can give mercy wherever you can and be kind Because everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Number three, remember that your students aren't robots. Whether those students are your own children or someone else's children, they're not robots. They get tired, just like you do. They misuse their time, just like you do. When they're in school, they'd often like to be somewhere else, just like all of us did. And let's face it, sometimes still do right yes all of that means that they need more self control and more self discipline that's true just like we do right so remember that your students are human and they struggle and they are weak and they are flawed just as we are and then finally in a previous podcast i've mentioned using the morning prayer and let me just end with one line that I think we should really focus on as, as classical educators, that prayer that the Lord would teach me to act firmly and wisely without embittering and embarrassing others. May the Lord grant that. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Phillips. Until next time, this has been The Commons. Have a wonderful day.